Well, good morning, family. Good to see all of you here this morning. Uh, I hesitate to ask this question because I know a lot of people don't want to talk about it because they think that they might be frowned upon, but we've, we've all been to at least one conference in life, right? Okay, thank you, Nick. Yeah, you know, I've been to a couple concerts. If you're curious about what they are, you can talk to me later, but I will tell you that uh, they were a blast. And one of my favorite parts of any concert that I've ever been to is when, you know, everybody knows the, the song that the band is playing and everybody starts singing, right? Off key, nasty singing, don't matter. Everybody's singing. And the lead singer stops singing and he points the microphone out to the crowd and you get the whole sound of the crowd singing the words to the music. But that's not my favorite part. My favorite part is actually seeing the smiles on the band members' faces, right? Where they, and they're smiling because they know that people care about their music and everybody is, is so pleased to singing, sing it and they don't care about anything else. And I think that that's how it works when we're together as a body doing stuff. We do realize that as we work as a body, each of us has an individual responsibility to participate in that. And I can imagine God in those moments. Maybe it's just because I have an overblown sense of imagination, but I can imagine God in those moments when we are working together as a body, in the worship, outside of these four walls, and we're all together, and he just kind of turns the mic to us with a smile on his face because he knows that we care about him, we care about his music, and it doesn't matter if we're singing off key, that that brings pleasure to him. We have a lot of opportunities here at Enterprise to do that. Life groups is one of them. I encourage you, be participating in your life group. It's a joy to get to know each other on a relational level and a more intimate setting. Uh, be participating in that. Life groups will meet today. Another opportunity comes again this Saturday. Uh, one of the lessons that Sonny and I have learned of moving to the south from the great white north is that people don't, people don't do anything during the summer here. They do it all during the winter. And, well, it was every weekend this October. Something has been going on where Enterprise has been doing something. Yesterday was Fellowship and Firearms, which was a blast. I know some of you had planned to be there but had to wait on furniture and couldn't make it or other things were going on that kept you from being there. But the relationships that were developed were fantastic outside of this. Uh, be on the lookout. I think we'll do that again once everybody can afford ammo. <laughs> Next, this upcoming Saturday is Trunk or Treat. Now, understand, we have it on our sign. KPLC has it on their community page. This is not just for Boulevard Kids, this is for the community. And we have sign-up sheets in the back. And some of us have done well signing up. I know that Nick appreciates that, uh, so he's not gonna be feeling left alone that he has to do it all by himself. But there are a lot of empty spaces on those sign-up sheets. Whether that's for setup, for cleanup, for kitchen help. Yeah, if, if you were thinking, well, I'll wait so that I don't look like I'm trying to you know, be first because the master says whoever is first is last and whoever is last is first. No, go sign the sheet. Jesus wasn't talking about sign-up sheets, okay? Put your name on it. Let Nick know who he's got to work with so he's not feeling so discouraged. 
uh, that he feels like he has to do it all by himself. And I know that that's not the case. It's just we, well, let's just be honest. We're kind of lazy. We show up, but we don't want to put our name on something because that obligates us at that point. But if you're not checking that back table for sign-up sheets every week, I would encourage you to do so. The elders would like to see as many bodies participating in these things as possible as we go through it. Next Sunday, or follow down, yeah, next Sunday, wow, uh, that's our fifth Sunday fellowship. I want to encourage everybody to be here. We're going to do a fellowship meal that morning after worship, and then we're going to come back in here to do a combined life group. Uh, and so the rest of the life groups won't meet that day, and we'll just be done for the day at that point. And also want to encourage everybody, our attendance has been steadily dropping on the first Tuesday of every month for our study with the elders. I don't know about you, but I find a great joy in knowing that we have, and I'm thankful, that we have elders that are willing to teach and are willing to stand up there in front of the body and help us know more about what the scriptures are telling us, how to live, how to be. This is the example that they set for us as they follow the master's example. So if you have not been setting aside that time on that first Tuesday of the month at 6.30, and these aren't, the, well, depending on who's teaching, they're not that long to have an hour, hour and a half set aside to spend together with your brothers and sisters and being instructed by the elders is a fantastic time. And I think next month, Guerrero's got it. And everybody's favorite subject, women's role. So plan on attending and being there for that. I, I think that you'll be, you'll be blessed by that. All right, end of announcements. Let's get into the lesson. If you haven't opened up your Bible already to First Peter, that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. We did a little bit of an introduction to Peter last week in his life. Understand, Peter has experience. He's an eyewitness. He's, he has experienced grace, and so now he's going to begin preaching that grace. That was the lesson that we had last week. And it appears, if you've read through Peter's letters, it would appear that at least one of the reasons that Peter is writing these letters, or these two letters, was because of persecution that was going on. And I think what we see happening is his attempt to encourage the brethren that are reading to know that what they're dealing with in their lives, everybody else is dealing with also, uh, and also to prepare them for future trials. Uh, as far as I can tell, just judging from timeline of when he wrote this, there's no real empire-wide persecutions that are going on at this time. This isn't something that has been brought down from Caesar through all of this. That, but that doesn't mean that local persecution wasn't happening. And we, in fact, we know there were. Uh, when you look at Pliny and Bithynia, that's around 112, uh, he's persecuting Christians because he got Trahan's approval. Now, all Trahan said was, if Christians worship the Roman gods, they're going to be spared from persecution. That was all, all he had said. And so Pliny takes that in his own region, and he is going to explode that idea, and the persecution that the Christians face under Pliny is actually quite severe. So Peter will begin, as we get into 1 Peter, our study of 1 Peter, Mark working through it, he's going to begin with a reminder of what was accomplished for them and, <coughs> and the faith that they have, all right? And this is vital. In fact, this is so vital that everything else that Peter is going to tell them, all of his other instructions are going to come back to this very beginning statement that he makes in 1 Peter chapter 1, okay? Because if they're going to suffer then they, knew, they need to know that they're gonna, they must suffer faithfully as Christians, not as lawbreakers. Pay attention. Because there is a huge difference between suffering as a Christian and suffering as a lawbreaker. 
Additionally, he's going to remind them of their faith. He's going to remind them of the promises that God made. And then he's going to show that any trial or temptation is simply momentary in comparison to the lasting glory that awaits. So read with me as we get into 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's read the first nine verses together this morning. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatias, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Do you guys remember the Fidelity Financial commercial with the green line? Is that familiar to you guys? If it's not, I'll explain it to you. So the commercial was basically a guy or a lady walking along, and they were, they were following this green line everywhere that it went. It turned left, it turned right. They would stick to that line. They would move along with it. Uh, and the point of the commercial was really very simple, which, by the way, is the key to all good commercials. Simple point. The point of the commercial was simple. Knowing where you're going is vital to short and long-term planning. That blew my mind. I, I, and I know I'm not the smartest guy in the room, and when I am, we are of all men most to be pitied. But that, that blew my mind. I was like, whoa, really? I need to know where I'm going so that I can plan to get there? Yes! Okay? It's so simple. It's, it's radical. It's revolutionary. And when we apply this to a, a spiritual view of life, it helps us to understand that we need to see the path that we are on and it instills in us a knowledge, A, that we're on the right path, and B, we can make plans as we're on that path and know that what we're doing is according to God's will, according to God's purpose, it's pleasing him, all of those different things. And so Peter says, and look at verse 5 again here, he says, we're protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now this is kind of a fun way to think about this, Okay. Peter is not talking about the salvation that is bestowed upon the individual at baptism here. He's talking about a different salvation in the future, okay? The, the salvation of, of us, our bodies, uh, where we obtain eternity in the, in the presence of the Father. This is the salvation, I think, that Peter is talking about. Each of us that has been baptized for the forgiveness of sins because of the blood of Jesus that was shed obtained salvation at that moment, did we not? Hey, if we're not saying amen to that, then you don't believe it. Did we not obtain salvation at the point of baptism? Okay. But Peter says for a salvation yet to be revealed. 
So we are living in the state of salvation, following the path, following the purpose to a salvation that is coming. That's the goal. Okay? We see the goal. And according to Fidelity Financial, if I can see the goal, then I can make plans for how to get there. This is the same idea that Paul is presenting to us from the scripture reading in Romans chapter 13. Right? Go back to it and look at it again. Starting in verse 11, he says, Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity, not in sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. We are living according to the plan and purpose with a view of what's coming, of what has been promised to us, all right? This deliverance, Paul says, is closer than it was before. Guys, this is going to blow your mind. You know why Paul says that this deliverance is closer to us now than it was before? Because every time I say it, it's closer. That's how time works. Okay? With each passing moment, deliverance is closer. Whew, that's kind of exciting, isn't it? As we live... We're nearer to that salvation. We're closer to that deliverance with each passing moment. So live the way God is calling you to live. And we know that because of our faith, taking this long view where we're going so that we're better prepared when it happens. Or even better, we're better prepared when life happens. Anybody ever have life happen to them? <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about when I say life. You know, people, you go up to somebody like, hey man, why the long face? You're like, life. Oh, I get it. And how many of us feel unprepared when life happens? You know, when trials come along and just, it's, listen, this is the nature of life. And we're like, oh, where'd that come from? I don't know how to deal with that. Have you ever found in your own experience that when those types of situations happen and you go, ah, oh, I don't know what to do. You've lost focus of where you're going. We're better prepared to deal with those things, with life, when we have a view of where we're going so that we can live that way now. And, and just because we know the future promise, which, by the way, is fantastic, okay? It's, it's the best. And just because we know that future promise does not mean we solely focus on the future promise. We still have to live in the present. And if we get so caught up and focused on the future, hey, here's the deal. We're going to get caught with our pants down when the present comes along. Now look at this through the lens of Peter's experience. Okay? This is the guy who's writing this. So let's, let's look at how he is looking through this, see if we can figure this out. And let's just choose one particular example of Peter's life here, the denials. All right? How many of us agree 
that when Jesus was alive, Peter had faith in Jesus. I think he did. He's the one that confesses him as the Christ, right? Yeah, he's followed him all these years. He left behind home and family and, and all of these things to follow Jesus through all of this. I, I'm convinced that Peter has faith in Jesus, okay? Now, multiple times prior to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, multiple times Jesus will say, I'm going into Jerusalem, and the Son of Man is going to be delivered, and he's going to be killed, and he's going to be raised on the third day. Okay? He will say it in John chapter 2, Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 16, John chapter 10. Do you think Peter heard Jesus when he said that? And we're not going to go on the rabbit trail about heard and hear and listen, all right? That's a conversation for you and your spouse to have when you get home, okay? I think Peter heard him say it. In fact, Jesus said it so much that everyone knew that he said it. Matthew chapter 27, look at what is being said while he's hanging on the cross, guys. These aren't even disciples, the next day, or after he was hanging on the cross, excuse me, the day after the preparation, I was thinking about when they said, he, he said that he, could, he can save others, he can't save himself. He says, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I am to rise again. Everybody knew what Jesus was saying. He said, and so they asked him, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day, Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, he is risen from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. Everybody had heard it, but here's the problem. The problem is everything appears to be falling apart at Jesus' arrest, right? He, the disciples are there. Peter tries, you know, his swordsmanship, which, by the way, if you're a fisherman, don't try and be a swordsman, uh, which is why I think he cut the ear, and that was all he hit on that, Okay. Everything's falling apart. The disciples scatter. He's taken. He's gone through this kangaroo court system. All of this, he's found guilty. He's going to die. Everything is falling apart. But where's Peter? He's got faith. He's heard what the master said. Right? And then he's sitting there during that trial, warming himself at the fire. And what is Peter focused on? Guys, what is Peter focused on? Staying out of trouble. I, I'm, I'm, that's, I can't be convinced of anything else on that. Peter is focused on staying out of trouble that entire time. What just happened to Peter? Life. Life just happened to Peter. And when the view of the future promise, fell out of focus. He was not prepared when it hit him in the face. He is adequately failing through all of this. I think that was a contributing factor to succumbing to the temptation even after Jesus had warned him about it. And here's what I love about life. 
This is what I love about the scriptures. One of the things I love about the scriptures. I can read about a person's failure, and I don't have to experience it to learn from it. Peter had been with Jesus all this time. It still failed when the heat got turned up. Peter's failure becomes the lesson that he's teaching us in the first nine verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter reminds us that we are provided with the knowledge of our position in the gospel. That when we live in the present with a view to eternity, it brings about proof of faith. Proof of our faith. And this proof, which by the way also can be translated as genuineness, okay, this, this genuineness, this proof of our faith, has a result. It results in praise, glory, and honor. Praise and honor and glory to whom? To Christ when he's revealed. Well, but Peter has said we're waiting on a salvation yet to come, so what is this revelation of Jesus that he's talking about? It can't be anything other than when Jesus is revealed through us. that's precious. More valuable than gold. That when people see Jesus through us, that is of surpassing value. Not to us, but to the one in whom Jesus is revealed. genuineness of our faith God will use to bring about the salvation of souls. So the, the challenge we're really left with in all of this is what are we doing with the time right now? Are we using it as a goal or a guide? To be a guide on this end goal to others that we come into contact with? Or are we so heavenly minded that we do no earthly good? It's a lesson that Peter had to learn the hard way through failure. And it's a lesson that, praise God, we don't have to learn through experience, but just watching and learning from Him. We are God's people. We have been called according to God's purpose. We have been called to live according to the way that he has called us to live. With a view to the salvation that, oh, by the way, is nearer now than it was before. To live as if we're in the day. And you know the nice thing about living according to the day? We're always in the light, so hey, that's pretty simple, right? to let go of the things of the past because we understand where we were, what was accomplished for us in Jesus, and where we are now. Held in the hand of the God whose promises never fail. That's who Peter is calling us to be. It's who God is calling us.
to be. Are we ready to do that? We ready to be that, guys? Some of you don't look too sure. Let me encourage you on that. God thinks you can. No, sorry. God knows you can. If you'll submit to him. Submit to his guidance. Submit to his leadership. Submit to his purpose in your life. Hank's got a song that we're going to stand and sing. This is an opportunity for us. As a member of the body here at Boulevard, this is an opportunity for for us to continue to make no provision for the the lust of the flesh, the way Paul wrote about that in Romans chapter 13, to, to slough that off, to get rid of it, to make that confession of sin, be encouraged from the body, receive grace from the Father when we confess and repent, to be strengthened, to leave, in the words of our uh, illustrious Zach Smith in the opening prayer, better than we were when we got here. This is an opportunity for us. It's also an opportunity for us to definitely be better than we were before when we got here by just making that confession of Jesus as Lord and being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's when we achieve that initial salvation, the salvation that we live in the present as we move forward to a salvation in the future. And if you're ready to do that this morning, if you're ready to become a Christian, and if you need the prayers of the body, counsel from the elders, whatever it is, we encourage you to make it known by coming forward while we stand and sing.